This is Me, Myself and Disaster, the show all about disasters with a human focus. From hurricanes to humanitarian issues, we journey across fault lines to explore trends in disaster preparedness, response and recovery and understand how our guests became involved in disasters. Over to you, Disaster Brothers, Josh and Andrew. Hello and welcome back for another episode of Me, Myself and Disaster, the show where we talk all things disaster with a human focus. Look, I don't know about you, but I've been watching a lot of news during isolation and what's disturbed me most recently is the increasing defiance of COVID-19 restrictions designed to keep us safe. It, It seemed to start with Karen at Bunnings who refused to wear a mask, but there are far more conspiracy theories than just COVID-19. In fact, many conspiracies relate to disaster events. People debate whether Chernobyl was real, whether government messaging about earthquakes has an ulterior motive, or if the Titanic even hit an iceberg. Andrew, tell us more about who we have on the show today. Josh, there are conspiracy theories about everything, and today we're digging deeper into why people believe in conspiracy theories, how these are linked to disasters, and how to talk with someone who has strong beliefs about conspiracy theories. To help us navigate through this challenging and fascinating topic, we're very fortunate to be joined by Joseph Yuzinski, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Miami, and he's author of several conspiracy theory books and regular contributor to the Washington Post. It's gonna be a great show. Let's get skeptical and talk disaster conspiracy theories. Hi Joe, thanks for joining us on the show this week. Personally, I'm fascinated by conspiracy theories, um, whether it's the assassination of JFK or the legitimacy of uh, President Obama's birth certificate. I find it really interesting to read about why people seem to believe uh, in these theories. Can you explain to our listeners what are the key elements of a conspiracy theory? So a conspiracy theory is an accusatory perception in which a small group of powerful people are working in secret for their own benefit against the common good and in a way that undermines our bedrock ground rules against the widespread use of force and fraud. And further, uh, this explanation has not been found to be true by the appropriate experts and authorities. Uh, who who would be able to bring to bear um, data and evidence um, in a way that is open to refutation? There's heaps of conspiracy theories around at the moment. There's like there's one about FEMA wanting to enslave citizens in concentration camps after disasters, which is quite laughable. Um, there's also about the U.S. government hiding earthquakes to enable more gas fracking. And there's one recently, uh, the Australian government uh, apparently has been spraying aluminium dust to create bushfires so people will move to other areas so they can create demand for a high-speed train line. Um, all seem ridiculous, but I'm wondering, you've studied this for some time, what's your favourite conspiracy theory? So my favorite one is, and I found this when I was doing research for my first book, American Conspiracy Theories, and we pulled it out of the New York Times in the mid-70s, and it was that the CIA had created lesbians <laughs> and, was, and was sending these lesbians into the women's organizations to then have sexual trysts with the leaders of these organizations, and then they would use those encounters as blackmail to then co-opt uh, the women's movement. So I, thought, I always thought that was sort of in- interesting because you've got sort of, I don't know, robot lesbians, blackmail, CIA, and then large social issues going on at the same time. Another one that, I, that comes to my mind 
I mean, this was done in a study in Italy, and only since you mentioned um, the one about spraying uh, uh, aluminum, is that somebody put out a Facebook post where they said the Italian government was spraying Viagra into the air <laughs> so that Italians would have more babies. <laughs> and, and a lot of people who saw the post actually thought it was real, and they were like, I can't believe they're doing this. This is social engineering. This is wrong. But the funny thing is, it's it's these theories are the same, the same structure over time. It's just different nouns. You see the same thing. So it's the the government spraying something into the air for whatever purpose. And sometimes it's poison. Sometimes it's Viagra. Sometimes it's some other, you know, chemical to do something. But but no matter what it is, I mean, in this case, it's 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 always the case that spraying stuff you know, 35,000 feet in the air is absolutely the worst delivery system for any anything you want to do. <laughs> Has there been any evidence? I mean, like these people keep dreaming up these things about spraying stuff. Has there ever been sort of evidence of these theories being real or is it just people's imagination has created this this weird sort of thing about spraying aluminum dust or whatever else, Viagra? Like, has that just come from anything? It's been around for a long time. So you can go back to the 1950s when we were finding people talking about scientists doing weather experiments, trying to take over enemy territory. Um, you know, so there's always some bit of truth to it. Like, of course, there are scientists who want to figure out how to take over enemy territory. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of weather experiments, and I'm sure there's been cloud seeding and things like that. Uh, but that's very different than saying, you know, there's weather control that you can spray out of the black the back of a plane. I mean, when I, you know, so we just had a hurricane pass by us yesterday, but when we got hit with a really big hurricane in 2017, Hurricane Irma, I was at Target getting my uh, supplies, my water and batteries and stuff. And the, and the cashier looked at me and she goes, you know, Trump is doing this to us. And I said, what do you mean Trump is doing what to us? She goes, uh, she, she said, uh, Trump is sending the hurricane here to, to get us for something. And I'm like, really? And, and I turned to the, to the person in line behind me. And I said, do you think that Trump is sending hurricanes at us? And she said, yeah. So I don't know if this is like a widespread belief in Florida where everyone thinks the hurricanes are all getting sent by the government. Um, or if it was just the stress of that particular moment, you know, everyone running out, getting all their supplies, not knowing what's going to happen next. Um, but when we polled on it um, a while later, we had, 15% of Floridians thinking that, that the government controlled hurricane. Wow. So as wacky as this stuff sounds, I mean, there are true believers and it's not some minuscule amount. Some of them get fairly large amounts of people. And on that point, I think let's delve a little bit deeper into, you know, what a conspiracy theorist is. And, you know, we find that in disasters, um, you know, lower socioeconomic areas, uh, vulnerable people are often impacted far more um, by, uh, by disasters. And because of that, have a much longer recovery period than someone, you know, who may have the means to prepare or who, who lives in a less exposed area because they have the means to be able to purchase that, that type of land. But what I'm wondering if we can delve more into the, you know, the psychological effects of conspiracy theories. I'm wondering, is there any particular type of person who's more likely to believe in a conspiracy theory, Joe? So it's going to depend on the conspiracy theory. So if it's theories that accuse Democrats, then it will probably be Republicans. And if it's uh, theories that accuse Republicans, it'll be Democrats. But once you get away from that left-right dimension of it, 
what you find is that the people who are most prone to buying into these nonpartisan conspiracy theories are people who have really high levels of what I call conspiracy thinking. Everything they see is probably the product of these shadowy groups operating in secret for malign purposes. Um, and, and there are other psychological, I guess we could call it baggage that goes along with that too. I mean, these people tend to hire, have higher levels of sociopathy, psychopathy, Machiavellianism. Um, they're more accepting of violence against the government. And, um, the, the, you know, when we look at other traits that they have, they're also uh, more likely to spread things that they know aren't true online just for the sake of doing so. So, um, that's not to say every person who believes in a or a few conspiracy theories is some sort of psychopath, because that's not the case. It's just more the case is you get people who believe in almost every conspiracy theory. Um, you know, if you're that person who thinks that the Holocaust was faked, you know, you're on a different level yeah. than someone who thinks, oh, there might be something behind the JFK assassination. So there's different conspiracy theories. And I think if you go up that, that ladder you're going to find that it's it's more and more extreme uh, types of, uh, uh, you know, unsavory personality uh, types that are going to be believing in them. Mm. And I guess this is a, this is a show about disasters. And, uh, and we had a lot of conversation about this when we were, we were discussing topics for the, uh, for the podcast, but what about those impacted by disasters? Uh, have you seen any research or done any thinking about, are they more likely to believe in conspiracies theories than those who haven't been affected by disasters? So there is some evidence for this. So uh, when Fukushima happened, it looked like there a lot of the tweets emanating from that area were, were more likely to engage in, in misinformation and conspiracy theories. Um, after 9-11, polls showed that New Yorkers um, were incredibly likely to believe in 9-11 truth conspiracy theories. So I think the number I saw shortly after was 50% of New Yorkers. Uh, which is about you know twenty five points higher than the rest of the country, um, but again, for some conspiracy theories, it's still going to be determined by their political leaning, depending on what the conspiracy theory is, and if they're if they're disposed to buy into it in the first place. You know, if we were to look at something like Hurricane, um, God, the hurricane that hit New Orleans uh, fifteen years ago. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of conspiracy theories there. Because it had to do with, you know, this thing hitting um, mostly African-American communities, and then the response wasn't so great. Um, so there were a lot of conspiracy theories saying, you know, the government purposely blew the dams to try to flood the black neighborhood so it could save the white neighborhoods. Um, there wasn't any evidence for that, um, but you could forgive the people in that situation for thinking that, right? Trying to come to grips with what is essentially life-altering chaos. It was an interesting point you you said there before around misinformation. I know a lot of our listeners from um, around the world, uh, you know, hail from sectors around emergency management. And there's a lot of conversation around misinformation, especially in disasters. How are we getting the most accurate information out to communities? What's then the difference between misinformation and a conspiracy theory? Where's that line that we that we draw to say, you know, this is just someone making a comment to saying this is a full-blown theory that's been thought about, um, communicated, and has, you know, followers behind it? If you present a conspiracy theory as if it's true, then you're engaging in misinformation. 
um, or if you're presenting it as if it's been verified as true. It could turn out to be the case that things we call conspiracy theory today could be conspiracy tomorrow because we found out that they were really true. <laughs> but, it, 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 but let me give you an example. So if I said to you that spraying disinfectant into your body could help cure or prevent COVID, that would be clear misinformation, right? Because we know that's not true. But it's not a conspiracy theory, right, on its own. But if I said, um, you know, the, the, the pharmaceutical companies um, are trying to hide the truth about household disinfectant, they want to sell you an expensive vaccine, um, but they don't want you to know that uh, $2 worth of Lysol can cure your COVID. Now we're getting into conspiracy theory because you've got actors who are trying to conceal important information in order to sell us, you know, vaccines that that aren't necessarily needed. Right. So now we're into the world of conspiracy theory. It's sort of like saying, if I just believe the earth is flat, that's not a a, a claim about a conspiracy. That's just a claim about the shape of the earth. Um, But if I say the earth is flat and everyone's covering it up for some nefarious purpose, now we're in the world of conspiracy theory. (laughs) And I think I was going to ask as well, um, I know um, in some of your books and online, there was a video recently I I watched that um, we discussed, and I think the title was of the presentation was called Conspiracy Theorists are Losers, talking about how uh, really it's a a bit of a power struggle for people who um, have all the power are kind of less likely to be conspiracy theorists and those who have no power are probably more likely. And I'm wondering about mental health. Is there some link between mental health uh, or post-traumatic stress disorder or any sort of, I guess, mental health issue that leads to people becoming more likely to believe in conspiracy theories? So there is a lot of research, but it's, it's becoming more and more disputed now on the relationship between conspiracy beliefs and um, anxiety, stress, feelings of powerlessness, feelings of uncertainty. Things like that. So the relationship isn't isn't fully borne out yet. And, you know, as a scientist, I'm a little bit nervous about saying, you know, I hope I'm waiting for the next disaster to happen so I can poll people and see yeah. if I can get them to believe in conspiracy theories. Um, but... It, it, I, I guess what I would say is this. There's two two ways to sort of think about this. Now, if we think about power in terms of, of a pie, if if we're all together in a room, we're going to fight over the size of our individual slice of the pie. But if we know that there's people outside the room who want to come in and get some of the pie too, we're going to organize against them, Right because we're going to fight for our pie. But then when they leave, we're going to be back to fighting over the size of our individual slices amongst each other. And conspiracy theories are sort of like that. So you have people who think that the entire system is against them. Everything is fake. Everyone's working against us. The entire establishment, all the elites are corrupt and they're evil. And those are the people who are buying into the Holocaust was faked. Um, You know, a lot of those extreme conspiracy theories like that. And then as you get away from that into the more partisan stuff, then we're into the people who are just fighting for their slice of the pie. Like, oh, it's the other side who's corrupt, but our side is good. No, it's the other side who's corrupt, but our side is good. So you've got this left-right thing going on with people sort of battling against each other on this left-right dimension. But then you also have this other thing where they see see everyone on the left-right dimension as part of the problem 
in itself. You mentioned before that there's potentially some sort of danger of conspiracy theorists. I wonder if you can sort of talk a bit more about what dangers actually are posed by conspiracy theorists to the wider population. Um, because I think from what we've been speaking about so far, these conspiracy theories, some of these ideas are quite um, out there and I wonder if they could be a danger and potentially start a disaster themselves. Yeah, I mean, beliefs don't cause problems on their own, but if your beliefs are, uh, you know not tethered to our shared reality and you decide to take action on those beliefs, then your beliefs are potentially going to be very dangerous. So, so, you know, even if it's just with misinformation, if you think that in ingesting bleach is good for COVID, you potentially kill yourself. Right. So actions matter. If you think um, that the QAnon conspiracy theory is true, that there are satanic pedophiles controlling the government and eating children for their magical powers, um, <laughs> that is almost an incitement to violence on its own. And we have had people try to take, you know, have engaged in violent behavior and acts of domestic terrorism based on that theory. Um, so, so, so beliefs matter. And what the content of those beliefs you know, is really matters. I mean, we saw in New Zealand, we saw in several instances in my country where people thought that um, whites were being replaced by some sort of corporate government conspiracy to bring in cheaper foreign labor and get rid of whites and white culture. What did these people who really believe this did? They went and shot a bunch of people. You know, whether it was Christchurch or we had shootings in Houston, California, Pittsburgh. Um, they're all sort of being driven by the same, you know, ideas. So some of these ideas are themselves incitements to violence. And, uh, you know, we have to be very, very careful with them. Yeah, it's really, really scary. And I think that's where sometimes, um, you know, we might see conspiracy theories as a bit of a hoax. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's people and there's emotions and there's and those things we have to take really seriously in this space. Uh, and I think one of the interesting things is is that the role that media plays in this space, obviously social media in the past you know decade has, has exploded. And uh, Joe, jo, I know you've made many comment around that's often a breeding ground or a way that people can communicate um, around conspiracy theories. But you know, we were recently speaking on the podcast to uh, to Colleen Haggerty. She's a freelance journalist uh, in Los Angeles, you know, about the decreasing trust in the media, um, which makes it more difficult to communicate uh, important information during disasters. And, and we've seen that through COVID. Uh, you know, we've seen that through COVID around how um, the media has, I guess, been called out by governments, rightly so, so or not rightly so. Um, but are we seeing a rise in conspiracy theories? or at least a rise in media coverage of those conspiracy theories? So it's the latter. So I, 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 I've been doing a, a, a Google alert on the term conspiracy theory since 2011. And I used to get back about five or six stories uh, written about conspiracy theories a day, and usually none on Saturday and Sunday. And for the past, I think, five years, I've been getting back 100 stories a day wow. written about conspiracy theories. So, and if you look through all the major news outlets and just do searches on how often they were using the term conspiracy theory, now it's, it's all the time. You go back 30, 40 years, they were barely touching on the subject. So we're paying more attention, but we always have to be careful because we don't want to confuse measuring and paying attention to something with that something being bigger than it used to be. So I've also been polling on conspiracy theories for the last eight years. 
there's no increase in either people's you know underlying predisposition towards believing conspiracy theories in general or um in you know in the levels of belief in most conspiracy theories i mean some conspiracy theories have gone up like trutherism but only because um republicans didn't used to believe that 911 was a conspiracy because it implicated republicans in doing it but now that no one remembers who George W. Bush was, <laughs> and this is 20 years in the past, Republicans are now believing in 9-11 truth series. So that's gone up, but it's not, it's, it, but that sort of thing isn't happening to conspiracy theories writ large. I mean, Kennedy conspiracy theories have come down 35 points mm. in the last 25 years. Um, a lot of other conspiracy theories have come down too, and, and, and most are not going up. So, like the moon landing, which everyone goes, oh, yeah, people believe the moon landing, they're crazy, but that floats around 5%, and that hasn't gone up. So, there's not, there isn't strong evidence that beliefs are increasing. I, I published a piece in the Washington Post today about how I've been polling on QAnon for the last two years, and almost nobody believes in this. I mean, what, what, what my poll shows is that it's, people don't view it any more favorably now than they did two years ago and and in absolute terms they view it very unfavorably hmm. and further than that other polls show that three quarters of americans have never even heard of it wow so there is what i would consider to be a moral panic going on about the effect of social media on people's beliefs and conspiracy theories um thinking that you know you can just go on social media and all you get is conspiracy theory. And that's all that's there. And that's just not true. You have the world's library in your pocket. Mm. And it's not like everyone who goes there is just like, Oh, let me find the latest conspiracy theories. That's not what your <laughs> average person does. I mean, they're going to the phone to get on the internet to, you know, well, they used to book travel or they're looking at mainstream news or, you know, I think one of the big, you know, porn is obviously one of the biggest things. But they're doing all these other things on the internet long before anyone's looking at conspiracy theories. If you compare the, the, the ranking of internet traffic between something like the New York Times and Alex Jones, which is usually the highest rated conspiracy dedicated website, there's like 300 ranks between them. Mm. And that doesn't even tell you, you know, how big that space really is. You know, so... You know, we tend to confuse what we see on Twitter and TikTok and all these other places with real the real world. It's not the real world. There's all sorts of QAnon nonsense on TikTok, um, but that doesn't exist in the real world. Most people don't know what that is. <laughs> so in t I'd be actually really interested before you ask the next question, Andrew, what is the highest polled conspiracy theory that you've polled? What's number well, one in rank? So typically it's Kennedy. But it's actually been coming down um, um, considerably over the last decade. But in March, I'll just tell you my, my numbers. The highest number I got was that the 1% control the government. And that's the Bernie Sanders conspiracy. Like, the 1% controls everything. Ah. And that's 54%. And then what was right after that? I think it was. Wait, so that's fifty-four percent of people in that you polled believe in that conspiracy theory. Yeah, and then wow. fifty percent think Jeffrey Epstein was murdered rather than hung oh, himself. Yeah. yeah. So those 
Those were the two biggest. And then Kennedy was actually after that at only 44%. And that's, that's usually been higher, but it's been coming down. Um, the deep state, do you think that there's a deep state that's embedded in the government? Uh, 43%. So some of these get pretty high numbers. And in, in the ones that we polled on about COVID uh, got significantly less than that. So we polled on two. One was, is COVID being exaggerated to hurt President Trump politically? And that got 29%. And the other one is COVID being spread on purpose as like a bioweapon. And we got 31%. So even though you have all these factors cranked up to 11, you know, the uncertainty, the powerlessness, you've got the social media, you've got all, everything that could potentially make everyone believe a conspiracy theory about COVID, um, one in three. And, 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 that, and that's sort of middling compared to the rest of the conspiracy theories that I poll on. Even the past couple of weeks, it's, it feels like in Australia because QAnon hasn't been something that I've known about until probably about a couple of months ago when I heard someone speak about it on Facebook. And I thought, what is this stuff? But um, it's interesting the number of sort of social media videos recently of people aren't wearing masks and they should be wearing masks and they refuse to say, oh, I've got these human rights, the sovereign citizen movement's getting a bit of spotlight in the media. And this, um, I guess everyone's sort of going, oh, they're a Karen. And I'm not sure if that's a worldwide thing or um, something that's sort of popular, but it's interesting to see sort of um, the tide turning on some of this sort of stuff and the, the first initial part of um, COVID when everyone was kind of, oh, yeah, it's all, it's all a fake. And now we're seeing more people coming out to say, no, it's actually real and like get rid of the conspiracy theorists, which is, yeah, really interesting. I don't know if it's a, a trend you're seeing as well or if that's just well, here. I mean, the big problem we've had here was that when it started, Trump came out and said, this is the Democrats' new hoax. And then you had Rush Limbaugh come out and say, this is part of a deep state plan. He questioned whether Dr. Fauci was actually a doctor. Um, <laughs> you have Fox News personalities telling people to go and film their hospitals because the hospitals don't really have any COVID patients. Um, we're polling on things about um, how many do people think the hospitals are faking deaths? And we're getting like 20% to 30% saying yes to this sort of stuff. So th this is uh, a lot of this has been driven by Trump and his conservative media allies and it has serious consequences because the same people who believe that the whole thing is is exaggerated are behaving as if they really believe that they don't wear masks they don't socially distance they're going out to bars and they're going to wind up spreading it more and i don't know what's going to change their mind i mean they a fairly prominent republican and trump supporter named herman cain died last week he ran for president in, in 2012, but he died of COVID. And people were asking me, do you think this is going to change people's minds? Are they going to start taking it seriously? And I said, no, they'll find a way to wiggle around it. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. They said, well, he was old anyway. And he's a cancer survivor, so it doesn't count. You know, it's just a regular flu. And, and, and they, they don't get it, and they don't want to get it. And it's not like we could just tweet them a link that's going to change their mind. Um, it's not going to happen. They're, they're set in. So they already have the mindset and, and both in terms of the willingness to believe in the conspiracy theories and then the willingness to take cues from these political leaders who are just lying. And that's creating this toxic cocktail where, you know, we've got a large group of people saying, you know, we're just not going to socially distance and wear masks. So. 
So that's where we are. And that's, that's why this is the way it is. This is why in Florida, you know, there was a, there was a big thing right up the street from me, uh, I think two days ago of QAnon types and, and some other people, no one wearing masks, you know, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> the scary thing is that this has real political ramifications, surely that, I mean, I think climate change in America, the sort of the, the rhetoric on that is causing or making it difficult to pass legislation on climate change and then down the track we'll have more disasters because people like, I mean, sea level rise and that sort of thing. So what's the, what do you see as the challenges with this? I mean, there must be some sort of way that conspiracy theories are having an impact on um, the passing of political decisions through Congress, would you say? Yeah, with this, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the Republicans are doing. And like, like they did pass the first sort of bill for relief a couple months ago, but they haven't passed another one. And I have to wonder why, because I think states are having to go back into lockdown. People are going to start getting laid off again. So they have to come up with something. And I, I don't know why they're doing or not doing, you know, things right now they should be because people's benefits are running out and people don't have jobs to go to. Um, it's, it's similar to climate change, but a little bit different. So climate change is, is really instructive in this sense is that you, you have climate change became a thing in the late eighties and then you have the fossil fuel industry sort of invest a lot of money into try to muddy the waters and say, well, it might not be real. You know, the science isn't clear. Um, which might have been true at some point. I think there was time when you could have had reasonable doubt early on, you know, in a scientific way. But what's interesting is as the science has gotten rock solid to the point where you have 98% of climatologists agreeing, you know, the, the public opinion has completely divided. And so has political elite opinion. So so this is this is largely... It's not being driven by science because people don't take their cues from scientists. And even the Democrats and the mass public who believe in climate change didn't sit down and come to their opinion because they read the Journal of Climatology or examined the data. You know, that's just not what they do. They took cues from the Democratic Party who were saying the right things on the science and Republicans took their cues from Republican leaders who, you know, were saying the stupidest things imaginable about the science. Like, they got the one guy, the senator, who gets a snowball and brings it onto the floor of the Senate and says, this snowball proves that climate change isn't real. <laughs> and that's his, that's his evidence. And, and you know, so, the, so it's a problem. But, but the same mechanism that drives Democrats to believe it's real also drives Republicans to believe it's not real. So the problem was is that you had Republican leaders sort of constantly saying this isn't a real thing. And that's a problem. Um, so, and, and we see echoes of that today is that people are taking cues about science from political leaders and not from scientists. So don't take medical advice from Trump. You know, <laughs> don't drink fish tank cleaner. Don't spray yourself with Lysol. Don't blast your face with UV light. Because um, he's not a doctor and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, trust the doctors when it comes to stuff in this domain. And, and, and that's it. But, you know, once you have politicians wading into waters of, you know, what, you know, what's the treatment for COVID? Oh, I have an idea. Or, um, you know, I have an opinion about vaccines I'd love to share at that point. <laughs> Tell them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Um, with conspiracy theories, like let's just say an example here, your best friend believes in a particular, particular conspiracy theory. I mean, Josh is trying to push this QAnon crap onto me all the time. I've got to try and like, say no. But, um, let's say, for example, the aluminium dust has been dropped from the sky to create wildfires. Um, and you can reason with them, you can talk to them, you can try and change their mind. But what about when the whole community shares that belief? And I know in emergency management, we're trying to talk to people and say, hey, the flood's coming, you need to evacuate now for those sort of things. There's a bushfire coming down, um, you need to make a safe decision and get out of your house and move. And when people don't believe that, it creates a pretty big hazard. So is it possible to change the mind of um, either your best friend or thousands of people, and how do you go about doing that, especially in a disaster situation? Um, how do you change people's minds or convince them otherwise of the conspiracy theory, or is it not even worth trying? So it's tough to do. I mean, minds can be changed sometimes with authoritative evidence, um, but what's really going to be the issue there is how deeply does the person care about that issue? Are their heels dug in on something? Because... If somebody, you know, is all about QAnon, you're not going to change their mind with a link or a web page or a factoid. That's not going to happen. If if your friend came upon something, you know, on, on the Internet last night and he said, hey, I heard this, um, then that's something you could probably change. You could say, listen, you know, I know you heard that, but here's what the CDC says or here's what the World Health Organization says. So what you saw probably wasn't accurate. And and that would probably do the trick. Um, but when it's something that, that somebody cares about, that is a reflection of their identity, of how they see themselves in relation to other groups, then it's going to be really tough to uh, wedge them away from it. So it's not going to take a conversation. It's going to take a lot of conversations. Um, but, you know, if we're in the case that you're talking about, we're, you know, the, the meteor is about to hit or the, the house is about to burn down. Um, you, you know, obviously you got to say your piece pretty quickly. So, it, you know, I guess what I would do is say something like this. Um, listen, I care about you. And if I'm wrong, you can hold it over my head uh, till eternity. But for now, let's pack the car and go. Yeah, I, th- I think it's that whole idea around value and beliefs, I think is really, and that was what I'm starting to understand, Joe, from looking at your material and, and having this conversation today is that's really one of those anchor points for conspiracy theories. And I, know, I have a couple of friends where you go, you know, you don't have that conversation with them because they, they have such a strong belief or a value that's linked to that thought that there's no way you're ever going to change that thought. And, you know, how does that play out for you? You're a pu- you're a pretty public figure that's uh, you know on the news, uh, mainstream media, having these conversations. You know, what is some of the feedback you receive from your coverage coverage and and research into conspiracy theories? Oh, I usually get told that I'm in on it. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a deep state member. I'm trying to hide the truth from people. Um, the QAnon people said that I'm going to be sent to the gallows for my crimes against humanity. Uh, QAnon himself said I was a deep state agent whose work was funded by the deep state. Um, so it's, it's tough doing what I do in the sense that the people who I most want to reach are the least likely to believe anything I say. Yeah. So, so that's a problem because oftentimes I just find myself preaching to the choir because, you know, they, they believe me, but so what? They're not the people that I'm most concerned about. Um, the trick is reaching the people who can't be reached. And it's just so hard 
it's it's so hard to do. And I could show you my email bin. I keep a I keep a folder called Kooks, which is just <laughs> all the crazy people who you know send me nasty emails or threaten me or you know say they want to kill me and stuff. I have had to report a few things to the police, um, but but fortunately it's not too many. Um, when I first started writing about QAnon, some QAnon supporter went through all of my Twitter pictures and made a collage. And they took all these pictures to make a collage to try to make the case that I was a satanic deep state oh, member. And it was sort of funny because I looked at it and I said, I actually do look like a deep state member <laughs> and, and a Satanist. Because like I had taken a picture of a Chinese restaurant where they have the ducks hanging, you know, outside the Chinese yeah. restaurant. And I took a picture of some skulls at a at a uh, science museum. And then I had a picture of uh, 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 I don't, me wearing red socks. And it happened to be my re- wedding day, and I wore red socks to w- match my wife's dress, which was red. Of course, to QAnon, if you wear red socks and red shoes, that means you're a satanic pedophile. Um, so they put all these together, and it's like you, if you just looked at it and didn't know anything else about me, um, then you'd be like, he's a, he's a devil worshiper pagan. Oh, and they had another picture of me wearing a horse mask. Because uh, <laughs> I, I go to Fish. You know the band Fish? Yeah. Yeah, they're like a hippie jam band. So I, I would I would go to shows, I sometimes dress up. So one year I went and I wore a horse hat and I was dressed around with this horse hat on and everyone <laughs> thought it was funny. But I had a picture of me in the horse hat. But they make it look like I'm a, a devil worshiper or something. <laughs> and it's like I'm just going to a fish concert. And, and it's just in that there's an important lesson there. And that is that you can pick out all these little things and put them together and draw a conclusion out of it. Right. So there's always evidence of whatever you want to prove out there. But unless you take the body of evidence as a whole mm. and put everything in context, you know, so if you look at the breadth of all the pictures I have on Twitter, you'll realize I'm not a satanic, you know, deep state <laughs> operative. <laughs> yeah, I'm just some regular dude you. who goes to concerts <laughs> and gets married and does stuff. Um but this is something that affects everybody's thinking, certainly conspiracy theorists, but everybody's thinking. It's always easy for us to pick out the evidence that, that we like, the evidence that shows us that our points are correct. But it's much harder to say, well, what's the total body of evidence, regardless of whether it supports our view or not? And then where does that total body of evidence uh, lead to? So... So that's the thing is that is that you can always make a case for anything you want. The evidence is always there as long as you cherry pick. I think it's an interesting point. I think you know, as humans, that's that's such a common thing to you know pick um, evidence or you know being in an uncomfortable position is something that um, that we would choose last, right? So we're, of course we're going to probably tend to surround ourselves with information that makes us feel good. Does that mean that every single one of us is technically a conspiracy theorist? Is, is someone, does everyone at least believe in something? Well, we're probably all conspiracy theorists in the sense that we all believe probably one or a few conspiracy theories. So on polls, I can't poll on the infinite number of conspiracy theories out there. Mm. Um, but when we ask about 20 on a poll, we wind up with 90% of people believing at least one. If I was to ask about 100, I'd probably have everybody believing at least one. So we're all conspiracy theorists in that sense. It, it's just that sort of definition for the term conspiracy theorist doesn't get us anywhere. 
Yeah. Um, I'm more concerned with the people who believe lots and lots of conspiracy theories because they have a worldview that, that drives that. So, so we all do this to some extent, some more than others. I mean, we pick our own friends, right? And, and we do that on social media as in real life. We choose our own TV shows, our own news outlets. Um, we set up our, our own information environments on, on social media and on the internet. And we do that in the car with our car radio, whatever it is. I mean, do, do an experiment out there. If you have a political radio, if you have a left station and a right station, Put on the one you don't normally listen to and then see how that makes you feel. You'd be like, Ugh! and then you put the <laughs> one you normally like on. You'd be like, oh my God, that feels so much better. I'm back. You know, <laughs> same thing. If you watch Fox, put on NBC and vice versa, and you will have completely different emotional responses to it because it's different information. That's going to either agree or disagree with your dispositions. And that, that could potentially make you uncomfortable because yeah. people don't like to hear stuff all day that just tells them how wrong they are about everything. <laughs> no one likes it. We basically live in an echo chamber now. It's like, it feels like an echo chamber. We just sort of, we like, we surround ourselves with those things and ideas we like to make us feel happy, but they're not necessarily challenging our views or making us sort of sell their opinions, really. That's exactly right. And so, like, an example that comes to mind is the people who watch that stupid show, Ancient Aliens. I love that on show. On History Channel. <laughs> no, never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the people who get engrossed by that, like, oh, yeah, the aliens built the pyramids and city of Atlantis and everything. They're not sitting down and ever reading a real anthropology book, mm. you know, a real history book, you know, because they because they don't want to be told what's in that in those books. They want the alien stuff. <laughs> so they're going to watch more alien stuff and they go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Right. So, but just the same for me. I'm not going to watch Ancient Aliens um, because it's nonsense. Um, but further, I <laughs> you know don't it's have not to lie to us, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but and and it's 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 the same thing. Is that people people want what they want? Yeah, they're not necessarily looking for new things. It's it's like Walter Lippmann said a hundred years ago. He goes, you know, people use news the same way a drunk uses a lamppost. It's not for illumination. <laughs> it's to keep from falling over. <laughs> I love that. Um, just lastly, uh, you know, we've had a lot of conversation around conspiracy theories and theorists and probably have been a little bit in the negative space. Um, but, you know, is there anything that positive that can come out of conspiracy theories? Is there... Is there anything, is there any good in conspiracy theories that you've seen in your research or being in this environment or being in this world? Yeah. So one thing I want to say is that there, there isn't really an us and them, right? I mean, we all fall victim to conspiracy theories from time to time. And if we don't fall victim to conspiracy theories, then we may be falling victim to something else, whether it's, you know, alternative medicine beliefs or paranormal beliefs or, you know, some other set of beliefs that aren't necessarily based on evidence. Um, it's part of the human condition. It's forgivable. Um, so it's not something that we should be looking at conspiracy theorists as if they were zoo animals. Mm. Right. I, I don't, I don't like that. I mean, there are reasons to be concerned uh, when people act on these beliefs, but we always need to treat people, you know, humanely and, and with respect. Um, there is good that can come from conspiracy theories too. I don't want to live in a world where we shut them all down. Yeah. Because conspiracy theories are critiques of power structures, right? And if we were to allow power structures to 
ban critiques of them, we're just inviting disaster. So we have to have an open channel where people can make accusations against power structures, against the powerful. And um, that's probably a healthy thing to a certain point. Um, I mean, should we not have been allowed to discuss the Trump-Russia conspiracy theories? Mm. I mean, that sort of it didn't turn out to be true, what most people were saying. Should, I mean, what? but do we want to live in a world where that sort of speculation was banned? Um, so this brings me to like another distinction, too, and that is that conspiracy theories aimed at powerful people are generally okay. Yeah. Um, because if I'm conspiracy theorizing about Trump, well, Trump is well protected. Mm. You know, it's not a big deal if people want to accuse him of something. But if people start conspiracy theorizing about immigrants, um, less less powerful and less well protected groups, that's where you run into a lot of trouble. Um, so, so, so I sort of draw that distinction there. But I mean, in, in terms of specific good that conspiracy theories have done, conspiracy theorists have pushed for more information. And pushing for more information is often a good thing. So why did we have a 9-11 commission or a Warren commission? Um, why have we had more uh, information released about the Kennedy assassination? It's because conspiracy theorists push for it. And that's sort of a good thing. Now, I guess the thing I would say there is I, I wish that what conspiracy theorists would do is simply push for more information mm. rather than jump to a belief, you know, and then think about, you know, data collection after the fact. <laughs> I think you should say, listen, I think there's there's reasons to ask more questions. There should be more transparency, more data should be put out. And I think that's it. And I think that's what I would like more people to do. But if if it takes a conspiracy theory to release government documents and to have better transparency, then then I guess for now I'm I'm okay with it. I think like I came into this com Andrew raised this conversation, this topic with me and and I thought Oh, you know, like, I don't know, like I, I was in, in essence probably a little bit ignorant to, to the conversation, but I think from the conversation we've had this morning and doing some research in this space, I love that point around um, that there are some positivities because to me, I, before this morning, I almost got to the point where I um, started thinking about conspiracy theories. It's almost society's way of yearning for transparency in, in, in a sense. It's this, it's this ability to look for the truth and, to, and, and, at the end of the day, that's not such a bad thing. You know, we don't want a society that um, is conditioned to think one thing. Um, we know that we talk a lot in the disaster space around having diversity of thought. It's actually a powerful thing when we walk into a disaster. Having, you know, diversity of thought is a powerful thing. So I think conspiracy theories, um, I'm sold. I think they're actually, um, you know, we shouldn't be pointing the finger and laughing at people. We should actually engage in a conversation saying, well, what is that mechanism underneath that? Like, what's the mechanism behind that? Like, what's the value or the belief? And I think I've, I think through this process, um, uncovered my own sort of conspiracy theories that like we were pushed in high school. I'm sure we were pushed that JFK was like assassinated by someone else, uh, like by the government sort of thing or the CIA. And like, so I've just discovered through this process that maybe I've actually believed conspiracy theories myself as a child and just grown up and thought, <laughs> oh, wow, that actually isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> But I think we've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Joe. It's uh, it's been fascinating talking about conspiracy theories, and um, given there's a hurricane bearing down, and you probably should go and prepare some sandbags and things for your house. But um, <laughs> we'll put all the links to your books um, and recent media appearances on our website at memyselfdisaster.com, so our uh, listeners can check those out and learn more uh, if they're interested. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today, and we look forward to reading more about your conspiracy theory research in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
to say, this has probably been one of the most enjoyable podcasts I've done because I've learnt so much. I came into this conversation a little bit sceptical. Um, I knew this was going to be a little bit of a controversial subject, but unpacking that with Joe was so interesting this morning. I think the real takeaway for me was understanding that conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists, there's a lot more behind that. It's not just crazy people running around with tinfoil hats. There's people's beliefs. There's people's values. There's really um, important um, central things to what uh, to, to who a human being is that's linked to conspiracy theories and we need to respect that we need to have a discussion Andrew what did you take out of today very similar Josh learned so much and I think when we respond to emergencies across the world we respond to very diverse communities with very diverse uh, views and thoughts and we need to take that into account that when we evacuate someone or we work with a community that's impacted by a disaster not everyone is going to believe what we say um, not everyone is going to believe what um, what might be the safest information and we take that into account and think about how we um, quell misinformation and provide the best most accurate update information people make safe decisions themselves I think that's really important so heaps to learn heaps to take away and heaps to digest from today's podcast to think about in the future that's all we have time for on the show today join us again next time as we talk to people from around the world about their experience during disasters we'll catch you then Thanks for listening to Me, Myself and Disaster. Subscribe today at memyselfdisaster.com. Learn more about disasters and follow our blog at disasterbros.com.